Podcast. It's back to the arena. The interviews with DC the DJ. Hello again. It is me, DC, back with another episode of Back to the Arena. The interviews, a podcast where we take segments out of my Back to the Arena syndicated radio show and put together this podcast to feature an interview and a band and an artist and an album. All of that wraps up into the show. And this is another one of those retro shows that we're going back a little bit farther than we normally go because I had the chance to speak with the legendary guitarist Chris Impelitari, and we talked about his brand new album at the time called Wake the Beast. And we're going to talk with Chris and play that interview for you right after this quick break. It's back to the arena, the interviews. Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Back to the Arena, the interviews podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. Welcome back. It's me, DC, hosting Back to the Arena, the interviews. Let's hop into the time machine and head back to 1988. I was about to graduate high school, and our guest today was releasing the very first full-length Impelitary album, Stand in Line. And that guest has released a three-CD compilation called Wake the Beast. And I want to welcome one of the best guitarists of my time, Chris Simpelitari. Welcome to Back to the Arena. Wow, thank you. I don't know if I deserve that, but thank you so much. Greatly, oh, you definitely humbled by that. Yeah, and uh, I, I hate when I age myself, but it just fit perfectly. 1988, I was here. I graduated high school, so now everybody's doing quick math. But um, <laughs> uh, of course, I should mention the first album is a was a self titled EP. Uh, came first with your current singer Rob Rock before Graham Bonnet joined in for Stand in Line. But you know who's who counts EPs, right? <laughs> but you know it's so interesting. If you listen to the very first album, which is the Impelitary Black EP, there are songs like Lost in the Rain, for those people that want to hear it on like YouTube or whatever. There's like Lost in the Rain, Burning. It really kind of um it set the foundation of who Impelitary is as a band, right? Almost you know, almost borderline thrash metal with screaming vocals, all these crazy shredding solos. Yeah. And it really established who we were as a band, what our identity was. And when Graham Bonnet came in the band, which because Rob Rock decided to leave after we did that, that record and some touring, when Graham came in, we knew we had to take a different direction because his voice was different, right? And so when we did stand in line, I have to be honest, I almost really didn't think that was an impelitary record. I, in, in many ways, I, I kind of wish we would have called it a different name, you know, because all the other impelitaries records, starting with the black EP all around it, you can hear are much heavier, more, you know, I don't want to say thrash metal, but we push the boundaries with speed and, you know, the energy right. and all that stuff with it, you know. Yeah. Do you ever play those songs live and, and you know, where it's just like a change in, in what you're playing? Yeah, well, <laughs> we have no choice. I mean, we Stand in Line <laughs> is such a big song around the world. It's like has this amazing cult following. So we do. And it's interesting. Actually, I was on YouTube the other day and I noticed someone posted um, us playing Stand in Line in Tokyo, Japan, um, about three or four years ago. And Graham Bonnet came up and joined us. Packed, sold out arena kind of place. And it was a great show. And it was really funny, like kind of looking at that from a from a distance right seeing ah we've kind of reunited with him again for that and it was really amazing yeah well you've had 14 studio albums either ep or full length so tell me how did you choose the songs for this compilation wake the beast uh, and how do you pick the songs to play live having so many great songs 
so recently we let a guy named Giles Lavery into our world, into our family. He's actually managing the band. For years, we did it ourselves. We didn't want management. And Giles, he just had so much love and passion for what we do as a band, right? Just loves Impelitary. And he came to us and we eventually let him in our inner circle, right? Said, all right, you can handle the, you know, the, the daily managerial duties, all that stuff, because we don't want to. <laughs> um, but it was his idea. He's like, dude, all of your music, for the most part, outside of Japan and certain places in continental Europe are really hard for the average metalheads to get a hold of without paying absorbent export or import prices, right? So it was his idea. And he found a label that really loved the band. So I got involved at that point. And the way we chose songs, you know, over the years, we kind of, we listen to our fans. They kind of give us feedback of what they like and what they don't like, right? And so there were times even we would go to the lengths that we would go look on, like if someone ripped one of the songs and put it up like on a YouTube or whatever, read the comments section, right? And if people are like, oh my God, this music's great. We love you guys. You know, okay, that's that's a good candidate. If we read the comments, go, dude, you guys suck. What do people see in you? <laughs> Probably not the best song, you know? So so to be honest, I mean, it was really a lot of fan input, to be honest, of what songs made these records. And it's the same thing when we play live. We know what people like, you know, what they expect from us. So are there songs that you don't play live that you, you wish you could get into the set list because you haven't played them in so long? Are there a favorite song of your own? Well, yeah, you know, so there's an instrumental called 17th Century Chicken Pickin'. It's kind of metal mixed with Vivaldi, like classical music and country picking, all this crazy stuff. And, you know, I do a lot of soloing, obviously crazy stuff live, right? And because it's a band, we've always stayed away from doing too many instrumentals, right? Because Impelitary is not the Chris Impelitary ego, you know, guitar solo show. <laughs> it's a band. You know, Rob Rock, yeah. our singer, is equal. He has every much you know, ownership in the band that I do. Right. So, um, so, but that's one of those songs where I really wish we played live more, you know? Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to hear that. I know what you're talking about. Um, normally I talk with artists that have just released a new album. I talk about their new music and I pick a couple songs that I like, but how do I pick songs to talk about in such a short time? Because there's so many great songs on this collection. Well, first of all, thank you. And I'm humbled by your kind words again. Um, I think the first couple songs on the first disc of this anthology kind of speaks to people. Either you like us or you don't. Within those three or four songs, you're going to know if you like us. <laughs> right. So, 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 and what I really love about it is we open up the anthology with the song Victim of the System, which I love that. It's another EP, by the way. And I love that EP. I mean, it was just a very special time in our life. And there's a lot of, things people don't know about that. Like when we did Victim of the System, we did it using a guy named Mike Tachi who had just finished doing the Metallica Black record with Bob Rock. As a matter of fact, Tachi was one doing all the engineering. So when we did that, Metallica actually were leaving one-on-one -on -one studios. We, Impelitary, loaded in. And we actually recorded that Black EP. And people don't even know that. I believe that's Lars' snare and kick drum, right? So it's it, you hear like certain things, you go, oh, I know those tones, you know? Yeah. Um, but but anyway, so we open up the record with Victim of the System, which has got Rob screaming and, you know, it's a traditional crazy, you know, technical shredding guitar solos and, you know, all the fun stuff. But then we go into the second song, which is called Perfect Crime. And now Graham Bonnet is singing, right? Which is a totally different um, voice, right? So I really like that. It really kind of captures two different sonic spectrums of impelitary within the first two songs of the anthology. 
Yeah. Well, I did pick a couple songs, even though I struggled through it. So I want to ask you about a couple of them. Uh, one of those songs is the song Ball and Chain. What can you tell me about that song? Sure. So that's from a record called Grin and Bear. And at that time, we were we were chasing a little bit of the trends, right? You had, from one extreme, you had bands like Guns N' Roses, maybe Pantera that were really you know, popular, right? The, the top right now of what people were interested in. But at the same time, you had bands like Def Leppard with their big friendly radio kind of stuff, right? right. And so Ball and Chain, we kind of thought, what would it sound like if we kind of merge those two worlds? We still have to be in Pelletary, right? But what if we take those two worlds and put it together? And that's why you hear Ball and Chain, it has that really kind of like really poppy chorus, but it's a very metal groove, you know? Um, almost reminds me in some ways, almost having like, it's almost like a backwards crazy train riff, right? Um, got heavy low end. Um, actually, a lot of people around the world have always loved that song. Yeah, so you kind of just split the difference between what was popular and and the stuff you guys wanted to do. Exactly. 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 Okay. okay, good to know. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the young and the ruthless. Uh, tell me about. Tell me something about that song that people don't know. I like that you chose that. I love that song. Um, the Young and the Ruthless. Um, well, first of all, at that time, I remember um, there were like the L.A. riots, right? There's some crazy stuff going on in the world. And so Rob Rock, I mean, he, he wrote the, the lyric was the whole thing about that, right? Just young punks, rebellious, which we've all been there, right? Filled with indignation, which is this righteous anger. So it really had this really wild story. Um, and then the song. I love it because we were huge fans of Queen, right? And so everything we were trying to do is how do we do all these amazing walls of layered vocals and three-part harmonies, right? But then then create this badass metal riff, you know? <laughs> um, and, and that was it. And, and the funny thing is, one thing as a guitar player, the one thing I love, and guitar players will probably get this immediately, especially after I say it. If you listen to the first part of the guitar solo, I am almost playing, almost note for note, playing the beginning of Eruption. <laughs> Really, <laughs> and it just worked so well. There was, I mean, it just fit the song so well. So it was my humble tribute to Eddie. Love you forever, brother. This is Young and the Ruthless from Impelitary, as we'll have more with Chris after this great rock and roll anthem. This is back to the arena. The interviews. It doesn't really matter to the kid anymore. No, it doesn't even matter at all. It doesn't really matter to the kid anymore. No, it doesn't.
conversation and more rock coming up after this quick break. We are back talking with Chris Impelitary, guitarist, of course, from the legendary band Impelitary. And I'm asking Chris about a couple songs uh, that I really loved on the collection, uh, Wake the Beast, which is a three-CD compilation uh, that features hits from all the Impelitary albums. Not necessarily hits, but anthems. We'll call them anthems because that's what they are. And Chris, uh, another song I wanted to ask you about is the song Speed Demon. What can you tell me about that? Speed Demon is a total tribute song. If you, I mean, hopefully you caught this right off the bat. Speed Demon was our tribute. We always loved Dio, right? Ronnie James Dio, to me, was like the greatest metal singer in history. Now, I do put, believe it or not, I put up with Dio, I put Graham Bonnet and Rob Rock with those guys as well, like the Dio's, Halford, Bruce Dickinson. But yeah, when we did Speed Demon, we really wanted to wear that influence on our sleeve, right? Just show how much love we had towards what Dio did um, as a solo artist and definitely his years in Black Sabbath, you know, and Rainbow, of course. So Speed Demon was really an homage to Dio, very much so. Yeah, and we've had Graham Bonnet on the show, and goddamn, I wish I could get Ronnie James Dio on the show, but you know that's never going to happen. There's Ronnie a lot of people. Was, Ron, yeah, Ronnie was a cool guy. You know, funny story about standing in line. I don't remember which solo it was, but we were recording at a place called uh, Sound City Studios. Matter of fact, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters made a documentary about it, and this is a true story. I was working on this really technical guitar solo, and I had to keep doing this part over and over again because we were trying to double and triple it. When you're doing that, the solos that are really technical, it's challenging. So I must have did it for four or five hours. So I come out of the studio, out of the tracking room, right? And, th- and my amps, and I play really loud in the studio, like the marshals are all wide open, right? And outside of where the amps were, I come out there and I see this guy playing pinball and it's Ronnie Dio. And he'd been playing for probably three or four hours the whole time. I kept doing all this crazy. And I'm just thinking he must have hated me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he, had to, he had to tolerate that for hours. It was crazy. Yeah. I don't think, you know, and I never, like I said, I never met him, but it sounds like, I don't think he would like, not like any type of rock and roll, you know, even if it was he, the same he, song over and over again. I can tell you what he said to me verbatim. He was such a cool guy. I don't know if he was being honest or not. He goes, dude, I thought you nailed it on the first take or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> like I did it a thousand times afterwards. He's like, the first one was perfect. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You got the Dio but, a blessing on that song. Yeah, I, you know, I met him a few times, um, never played with him, didn't know him that well. I mean, always the meetings were very, you know, cordial, like, you know, 10 minutes here, like, hey, how yeah. you doing? Just a lovely human being. Just And again, the voice, it's, it speaks, you know, it speaks for itself. Just incredible. Right. The greatest metal singer in the world would go down probably as Ronnie Dio. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree. And, and Guitar One Magazine named you uh, one of the fastest guitarists of all time when we're talking about the greatest uh, guitar world I named you uh, one of the fastest guitars of all time as well. Talk about those honors and uh, what your what your thoughts are on that. So the older I get, the real I I just realize how stupid it really all was. You know, I mean, to be honest, first of all, there's no truth to it. There is no fastest guitar player in the world. It's almost you know, I mean, the song, the structure of the song, and again, we'll go theoretical. I mean, you have a time signature, right? You have certain BPMs. If you're playing 30-second note triplets at 200 BPM or whatever, it kind of dictates how fast you can play or not play. So realistically, you know, um, the song itself kind of controls that. It, you know, I know I come from a, a time period, especially the late 80s. You know, as I, I'm very aware I was one of the, the forefathers of the whole shred thing, right? I know there was Ingve. 
There was Paul Gilbert. There was myself. There was a great player named Tony McAlpine. You had Michelangelo Abadio. Um, you had some great players. Late, years later, you had people like Jason Becker. All these guys had so much input into the whole speed thing. But the reality is, as I get older, and I believe me, I still play very fast to this day, right? It's just because I'm expressing <laughs> who I am emotionally. But I also realize when you when people give you that kind of title, how stupid it is. It's like bragging, saying, hey, I can speak faster than you. It's like, okay, good for you. You sound like an idiot talking that fast. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, again, I, I get they mean it well, and it's a nice little, you know, <laughs> it's a nice little accolade, I guess, for bragging rights. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just being me when I play my guitar. Yeah. Well, and we like what you do with the guitar, so just keep doing that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You've played all over the world. Uh, where would you say you've seen the craziest fans? Where where was the – what country or city had the most crazy fans that you have come across? Um, well, Barcelona, Spain. We played Rockfest Barcelona um, probably about a year or two before the pandemic. And it was like, you know, Iron Maiden were headlining – um and we played we were i think it was us we, we were either before or after anthrax um and i remember the kids just went nuts it's probably about twenty five thousand or thirty thousand people and afterwards the bands do the signing session and i'll never forget you know we do the signing session and most of the bands they're done within like 20 or 30 minutes ours lasted for an hour and a half just crazy it was it was a blast we had so much fun but that was one country i was like wow i didn't realize we had fans like that in that part of the world yeah, and you played in front of some big crowds. Uh, how big was the biggest crowd you played from in front of? You know, I think it was so, I don't know how many years ago. It wasn't that long ago, but it was definitely before the pandemic. For the very first time, we played Korea. And we were we were headlining. We were playing a thing called the Busan uh, Rock Festival. And there, you can see footage on YouTube. And it's an interesting story because my bass player, James Pulley, he couldn't go for some reason. I think it was something to do with visas or whatever. So a friend of mine, Rudy Sarzo, who a lot of people know, bass player, played with Whitesnake, Ozzy, now in Quiet Riot. Um, he basically came in, learned all the impelitary music, spent like two or three weeks learning it. I think we rehearsed for a week or two straight. And we flew there. And I was really nervous because it was the first time we were playing in Korea. We had never done this. And I was thinking, God, I, I hope people come. You know, we weren't sure what the attendance was going to be like. And I'll never forget, we were walking up, the, we call them like the walk of death. You walk up the, you know, the steps going onto the big stage, the big festivals. And we walk up these steps and look over. And, and I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but I was told it was something like 30,000 people were there to see us. You know, I remember even Rudy was like, whoa, you know, I mean, we were all very surprised by that. And the kids went crazy. It was a great show. Yeah, it sounds like they showed up. They showed up, yes. You can actually—I've seen footage on YouTube, especially at the end of the videos. Right? They—they they pan out, and you see all the people. It's just insane. Yeah, I mean, I've been—I do a lot of photoing of, of bands, you know. So before the bands come on, I'm at the front of the stage, and when I turn around, you know, and see all the people, you know, and these are like fifteen, twenty thousand seat venues. To me, that's crazy. So to see almost double that uh, would be quite intense. Uh, you know, for, for being on stage and having a performance, especially for Rudy, who was playing his first gig with you guys. And he killed it, nailed it. Did great. Oh, yeah, of course he yeah, did. I remember, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've had great shows. And, you know, by the way, we're talking big shows. But believe me, we played in front of 20 people and had the time of our lives. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you truthfully, before we did the, um, I think it was before the previous Japan tour for the Nature of the Beast record, we actually decided to do three warm-up shows. Now, we told everybody these were going to be rehearsals, like live rehearsals. So we played in um, Connecticut, 
we did a place in New Jersey and we played a place in New York City. And I remember the places in Connecticut and Jersey were pretty packed, pretty full. But I will never forget the place in New York. And I don't remember where it was. They made us play at like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not exaggerating. We went on stage and I would be shocked, shocked if there were 30 people. <laughs> and we and we had the time of our life. So I, I bet those 30 people that that hung out, they loved it. It was, it yeah. was just so much fun. So we've done it all. We've seriously, I mean, we've played the very big places and we played the very small places. And you know, at the end of the day, we're playing music, which we love. So it's all good. You know? Right. So what's next for you uh, now that this uh, anthology is out? Do you have tour plans or any plans on releasing new material anytime soon? Yeah. Yeah. We've actually been in the studio for a few months and we've got probably another three or four months to go. So we're actually working on our new or our next record, right? Cause we owe JVC Victor, who's our label in Japan and Asia and Australia, um, and then we own Frontiers, who's our label for America and Europe. So we owe them another record. So the idea is probably to release mid-2023 and then tour in the summer of 2023. That's our plan. And where will that tour be? I pray to God in every possible country. You know, we're all, we're all sick and tired of not playing America because we live in this country. You know, we're all over the United States. I'm in Los Angeles. You know, the singer Rob, he lives in Florida. James Pulley, he lives very close to me. So, you know, we're pretty much an, an L.A.-based band. But, you know, it always seems like, where do we go? We always do Japan. We do certain parts of Europe. And then America gets ignored, you know? So yeah. it's time for us to start playing in America a lot. Amen. I wish everybody would come and play. I got, yeah. a, big, I got a big yard. I got two Dude, acres. When I was a kid, man, keg parties love that stuff. That was the <laughs> shit. It was so much fun. So I'm down, man. If you got two acres, let's do it. Of course, you're, you're bringing in all the production. <laughs> oh well, maybe I don't have two acres. <laughs> An acre will do. <laughs> okay, all right. So, when you're gone, when your time is up, uh, what is one sentence that you or phrase that you would like to have people say to describe uh, Impelitary to someone who has never heard you? What an unruly child. <laughs> you know, we, and it's funny, you know, the first three letters of Impelitary is I-M-P, which I think in Greek mythology or something like that, it actually means unruly child, little devil. You know, Impelitary, what are we? I mean, we're a band that we do what we want. We love the music we play. We love playing our instrument or singing or whatever. And we get off on that. And so we're a band that we just... You know, we, we really try to create music from our soul versus trying to just basically follow trends. Now, of course, we've been guilty occasionally of, of going down that road. But for the most part of our career, you know, we've established our own sound. You know, a lot of people say, what are we? I mean, you know, in some ways you listen to like our first song we ever recorded was Lost in the Rain. Right. So if you listen to that and then listen to a song like Venom that we did two records ago. Right. Listen to what we do. You know, it's all this really crazy, almost thrash metal drumming, you know, all the technical shredding guitar solos, the screaming vocals, right? And then, of course, a lot of melody, a lot of big anthem choruses with a big Queens-type harmonies. And that really has become our sound, kind of our trademark. So if people think about us long after we're dead, that's what I hope they think about us. Okay, very cool. Now, we have a segment on the show. I'm going to play this game with you before I let you go. And since you're one of the ultimate rockers, the segment is called Rapid Rocker Response. I'm just going to read off random questions, nothing to do with your music, just to kind of, you know, pull some stuff out of your head and uh, see what you're thinking. Does that sound uh, like something you sounds, want to do? Sounds, 
Sounds like fun. Wait, so is it like you're going to ask me something in my first response? Exactly. Okay, you're going to be like, gun, and I'll be like, duck. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, similar, but it's actually a, a regular question, so it's not like word association. Okay, no worries. <laughs> All right, so tell me, what is the most illegal thing you've ever done? Can't share that because like you go to jail. So no, <laughs> the statute of limitations <laughs> no. isn't up. I, I plead. I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll let you skip that one. Uh, I heard a dog barking. So my question is: Would you trade in your dog for a million dollars? No. No. I pay a million dollars for for my dog. I have four little dogs. If you hear them in the background, okay. Love the dogs. And no, don't no. need the money. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Well, what is your biggest pet peeve? What do what annoys you the most? Um. When we spend a ton of time in the studio and it just doesn't get, it doesn't feel right. You know, we have to redo the takes. It just didn't come out right. You know, yeah. that yeah, drives I, me crazy. I, I, and, I can imagine. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and that gets expensive because you can imagine we got to go back in and track it all over again live. And, you know, we're spending 1500 bucks a day in a major studio. It gets expensive. Yeah. Yeah. If you could only hear one song for the rest of your life, what would that song be? Oh my gosh, that's no, I, how would I do that? I mean, I love so many other artists' music. I love music we've made. Okay, three songs I, no, that's on too rotation. Hard. Three, three, I, I mean, three songs. Like, plus, I, I guess if, if you only heard that song over and over again, eventually you'd be like, dude, chill. <laughs> All right. Well, if you lost one day of your life for every time you said a swear word, swear word would you try not to do it? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And how successful would you be at that? Do you swear a lot? Uh, yeah, I think I may have just died two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, if you were reborn then, since we talked about dying, what decade <laughs> would you want to be born in? What, what decade would you choose to be born in? Oh, I don't know, man. It's like, I think a decade that hasn't happened yet. Because we know history, there's some very cool time periods. But the reality is there's some pretty messed up shit during those time periods as well. Yeah. So let's go out like another thousand years wow. and just see where we are. I'm praying to God that people are still playing guitar and playing metal versus just playing, you know, keypads on their, you know, on their laptop and creating music, you know, <laughs> digitally. And, you know, I, I really hope music is around, especially our kind of music. Yeah, that would be that would be, a, you know, a shame if it wasn't. Yeah. Okay, so if you could go back in time, not going forward, but if you go okay. back and erase one thing you said or did, what would that be? One, oh, I would probably say, so as an artist, right, you have great shows and bad shows. I'd probably go back and erase some of the bad shows, mainly because it was me being irresponsible. When I first came out, I had some amazing shows that we played, but I also had some shows that were horrendous. And it was basically because I got involved in the whole partying thing, especially when you get a little bit of success in the beginning and it kind of, you know, all of a sudden the girls and the partying and the things that come along with the party and that people give you that you shouldn't be putting in your body, you know, <laughs> those, those, those are the things I'd probably look back and go, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Which to be honest, I did learn my lesson, never did it again. We always play really well live, but there were times. Yeah. yeah. So those are the things I'd erase. Okay. Final question for you. If you could suddenly become invisible, what would you do? <laughs> stupid um, questions i know i'd work on bringing this country together I, I would try to figure out a way i try to figure out listening to each party secretly like being a fly on the wall 
of what it's going to take to bring our country together, you know, politically and unite us. So we're not basically on the border of a civil war, which is crazy, you know, right. All got to love one another because we're all brothers and sisters. We're all interrelated. We all got to support each other, have each other's back. And right now, America seems like it's just pretty messed up, you know. Yeah. So if I was, if I had the invisible power, I'd probably go in there to try to figure out what is the common denominator, the secret thing that these people need to put together to kind of unite everybody. That's a, that's an adult answer because you know mine would be like girls' locker room, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, no, we 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 had we remember we come from the '80s, the decade of decadence yeah. and debauchery. Believe me, we lived it. <laughs> yeah, we we've been there. We don't need to like be invisible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was part of it was part of the uh, the the territory. So if this is we'll we'll do a more mature answer now. Okay. <laughs> well, Chris, it was great talking to you. Everybody needs to go out and get the new Wake the Beast anthology. Uh, Thirty three great songs from the past from Impelitary. Uh, they can follow you on Instagram and Facebook at Chris Impelitary Official. They can also head to your website Impelitary dot uh, Chris and Pelletieri, uh, thanks for joining us and talking with the listeners of Back to the Arena. Guys, thank you so much. And I love the title way, Back to the Arena, because I'm looking forward to getting back into the arena. All so, right. well, guys, when you write your next album, put us in there. Put Make a song. Back to I the love Arena. It. <laughs> uh, not, not like Into the Arena by Michael Schenker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a great song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate we'll your time and uh, best of luck with this uh, album and, and the uh, the new album whenever it drops. Hope to have you on the show to talk about that again. Great. Great. Well, thank you, mate. My pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. Here's another song off of the Wake the Beast compilation. This is Ball and Chain. I'm back to the arena, the interviews. She's a lonely girl Holding secrets deep inside It's a crazy world when your heart and mind collide A prisoner's actions She's trying to run away She doesn't know what she'll find She's got to get away I hear you cry 
and Chain from Chris Impelitary and the three CD compilation, the anthology, if you will, Wake the Beast from Impelitary. And that will wrap up this episode of Back to the Arena, the interviews. Please subscribe and make sure to catch every episode of the podcast. I thank you for listening. And for more information about the radio show, head to Back to the Arena Show.com. I'm DC. I'll be back again with the next episode of Back to the Arena, the interviews. Have a great one. Click subscribe and catch the next episode of Back to the Arena, the interviews. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.